Chicken Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning and welcome to our show number 592, live here from the eastern upper peninsula of the great state of Michigan. Fresh from our visit to and broadcast from the south rim of the Grand Canyon last week. We're here at Lake Superior State University in Sault Ste. Marie, which is providing us with another spectacular view of the Sioux Locks that provide the connection between Lake Superior and Lake Huron and on to the other great lakes in turn. We've been here for a few days and have had a chance to see some beautiful sights and lots of interesting birds. And we'll talk to our bird guide, Elliot Nelson, in just a few minutes. But joining us first is Linda Hoth, Executive Director of the Sioux Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Great to have you with us, Linda. Now, we know that folks here in the uh, Upper Peninsula, or the UP, uh, call themselves Upers. And um, some from far away may associate the area with a song by the Upers called The Second Week in Deer Camp. But there's a lot more to uh, the UP than Deer Camp. And that goes for the Sioux area as well, of course. Why don't you smash uh, some stereotypes uh, out there and give us an overview of this beautiful area? Well, we're the oldest city in the Midwest. We'll be 350 years old in, in 2018. We have an ice arena here that opened in 1939, was one of the first two refrigerated ice arenas. I mean, we have so many things that are a part of who we are. Yeah. You know. well, how do they have ice arenas without refrigeration? Uh, outdoors in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but we now have, well, now we have four of them here, and it's a great place. So it's uh, LSSU, where we're at right now, has two, has a, ho a hockey team, Lake Superior State University, and they do a great job. Do they have a refrigerated rink? They have a beautiful refrigerated rink. Well, for all of us uh, who live near the ocean, it's kind of hard to believe when you stand on the shore of Lake Superior that it is not the ocean. With, especially yesterday, we were there with all those waves crashing in and so pristine and clean. That, that was so impressive to me. Oh, it's just beautiful there. I said, you know, it's, uh, I call her Mother Superior because she gives us weather. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. But she, it's just the most beautiful lake. I said, and if you take a look, you feel like you're on the ocean. So uh, it's absolutely fabulous. And then, if, you know, in the eastern UP, you can hit three great lakes in the same day. Wow. So. Pretty good. We'll have to try that next trip. Well, most regions have a signature item on their food menus, uh, Linda. Uh, we have chowder and lobster in Boston. Philly has the cheesesteak, and you have something that people from away would call a pasty, right? But we know that's not, not correct. It's really a, a, a pasty. What, what is that? It's like a meat uh, a turnover type thing, and it's eat meat and potatoes and uh, rutabagas and, you know, it's just whatever you want. Rutabagas? Yeah, rutabagas. That's another local pronunciation up there, right? A rutabagi. I like that. Yeah. I never liked rutabagis until I tried them here in, with the pasties and that stuff. Oh, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Well, the Sioux part uh, here uh, of Sault Ste. Marie is spelled S-A-U-L-T. Yes. Now, if you were French, you would probably say so. And if you were not French, you might say salt. But somehow it's Sioux. How does that, how does that work? 
Well, that's kind of a, a nickname. It's easier just to go S-O-O than it is S-A-U-L-T and constantly tell people it's, it's pronounced Sue. So it, it's been around for a long time. It's probably the only place you know you, you can come to the Sioux. You can't go to the Detroit. Oh, yeah, good point. All you right. come to the Sioux. All right, Linda Hoth, Executive Director of the Sioux Area Convention and Visitors Bureau here in Sioux. Thank you for being on with us, and uh, thanks for, uh, for welcoming us, as you have done. Oh, it's been my pleasure, and it's great to have you here. Well, speaking of that kind of uh, accent, Jay Gage is here with us. He is Special Assistant to the President of Lake Superior State University. He's also City Commissioner of the City of Sault Ste. Marie, and he is an expert on, uh, can we call it Uperspeak, I guess? Oh, I, I don't know if there's a particular uh, term for it there, but, uh, you know, here in DeSue, you get, a, you get a few ors and ors and some holy was and some crepes, you know, and... You can, and it's great, you know, like, um, so I, I can amp it up a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> Did you say crepes or creeps? Crepe, oh, crepe, you know, not in, it's no crepes, it's no crepes, it's crepe, you know. And uh, so it's, it's funny, um, on this side of the peninsula, the eastern side, uh, the accent is a, a little bit influenced by the Canadian folks to the north. We're just a, a bridge away from uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Um, and over in the western side, it's definitely influenced by the, the copper miners and the Finlanders and things like that, so... So depending on where you're from, it depends the the accent you have a little bit. So the eastern UP and the western UP really quite different. Uh, yeah, we you know so we we can agree on a few things. We can agree that God's area code is 906. Uh, we can agree that uh, this is the heart of Pure Michigan, the purest of Pure Michigan. We don't agree on on some other things, and it leads to some blows. Uh, in the eastern side, we're we're Lions fans. And over on the West End, they're, they're Packerbackers, and that's not, oh, them Packerbackers ain't no good. Oh, yeah. A few Viking fans, too, no? Oh, I, I wouldn't say those words up in this peninsula, you know, the <laughs> Vikings. Um, but uh, but it's, it's funny, um, we, we do come to blows on that, and, and it's, it's strange, you know. Um, the, the dividing line is basically Newberry, which is about an hour and a half uh, west of here. After that, you're, you're in Packerbacker country. Give us a couple more uh, Uper uh, uh, phrases, if you could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about Sioux, you know, you say, oh, yeah, you got to go up there and do, do Sioux there, eh? You know? And you, you throw in a holy wah there, you know? Your mom comes in and, and you know, cripe, it's burning right dirty, you know? Get the, get yourself in the bath there, eh? You know? Wash up there and uh, get behind your ears, you know? All right, one more question for you for pasties, gravy or ketchup? Oh, that's a great debate, too. And, uh, you know, the problem is... Most folks know that the best pasties come with good baggies and they come with ketchup. I'm a ketchup guy through and through, but uh, gravy's also okay if, you, if you're in a pinch. But uh, the, it just, it, that's not even a Western versus Eastern thing. It's mainly just a family thing. You know? I was raised with, uh, with ketchup myself, and, and every God-fearing American should know that ketchup goes on pasties. All right, we got it. Thank you, Jay. Jay Gage, Special Assistant to the President of Lake Superior State University, City Commissioner of the City of Sault Ste. Marie, and a Uper Talk expert. Hello, I'm Ed Begley, Jr., and wherever you call home, the sounds of wildlife connect you with a greater family of life. That's why you shudder each time you see woods, marshes, meadows, or grasslands being destroyed. You know that countless birds and other wild animals are losing their homes, the greatest threat to their survival. Among the growing number of threats to wildlife, habitat loss is the most devastating. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust offers a humane solution, working with private landowners to protect habitat as permanent safe havens for wildlife. 
When you hear the familiar wild voices you love, remember, your voice is the one that can speak for wildlife and for the land they call home, ensuring that it stays forever wild. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Well, thanks again for being with us on our show. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk with our special guest, Elliot Nelson, here in just a few minutes. Uh, also coming along our show, we're going to try to connect up with Mike O'Connor, who is, uh, he's also, oh, he's in Canada. He's right across the water, except a few hundred miles to the east in um, Prince Edward Island, or on Prince Edward Island. By the way, we have a bonus prize uh, uh, state today, and it is North Carolina. If you get through to our show first from that state on our mystery bird contest, you'll win a special bonus prize. And it's that beautiful Celestron National Parks three-in-one device with a flashlight and a charger. And um, what's the other thing it's got in there? It's got a flashlight and a charger, and I'll think of the other thing, but there's three, so we'll keep you in suspense for just a few minutes on that. Uh, along here in just a moment, a bird that is uh, sought after and sometimes seen here in Michigan's UP is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Well, here's a bird word question. Did the phrase skinny as a rail come about as a reference to the bird or to a train track? The answer is... Hmm, neither. According to etymologists, the folks who study words, the phrase refers not to a track or a bird, but to a fence rail. But since this is a show about birds and not about fences or train tracks, we feature a feathered friend that's not only as skinny as a rail, it is a rail, the yellow rail. Like all rails, it's very skinny, or laterally compressed, and for a very good reason. That allows the bird to negotiate its way in between the marsh reeds which it inhabits. It's a small bird and the smallest of the rail family at only about six inches in length and a wingspan of about a foot. The yellow rail is a pretty tough bird to spot. As David Sibley puts it, as hard to see as a mouse. What with its small size and the fact that it tends to run around between and under dense vegetation. If you do spot a yellow rail, you'll see that it has a buffy yellow chest and face with yellowish and black streaks on its back, a dark crown, a dark stripe through the eye, and a small stubby bill. The yellow rail winters along the Gulf Coast and Florida and breeds in the extreme northern parts of the U.S. and through most of Canada. The call of the yellow rail consists mostly of a clicking sound heard almost exclusively at night. You can make this sound too. Just get a couple of small stones and bang them together in just the right cadence, like this. That's the actual sound of a yellow rail. Try to spot one in a shallow marsh sometime. Meanwhile, let's bang those stones together again. Today's featured feathered friend, the yellow rail. 
Thanks again for being with us here in our show number 952. We're live here in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan at Lake Superior State University. Well, on Thursday of this week, the president designated nearly 5,000 square miles of ocean southeast of Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, home to undersea mountains and canyons and a diverse array of marine life as a marine national monument, the first such designation in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, our next guest this morning on the show here at Lake Superior State U is a man who knows and cares about such monument designations and the protection of all of our shores and waterways. He's the extension educator on the eastern upper peninsula for Michigan Sea Grant, Elliot Nelson. Good morning, Elliot. Good morning, Ray. It's wonderful to have you uh, with us here, as it has been all week. More on that uh, in uh, a moment. But tell us about Sea Grant, so people who don't know what a Sea Grant is in general, and about the one here in Michigan. Yeah, sure. Well, Sea Grant's a program that's administered through NOAA, the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration. And every state that has coastline, be it Great Lakes coastline or ocean coastline, has a Sea Grant program. Now here in Michigan, our program is run through the University of Michigan and through Michigan State University Extension. And we live around the state and our goal is to work with local partners to help promote coastal economies and protect Great Lakes and other coastal resources. And we do that by working with partners and bringing science, research, outreach and education to the different communities. So this is a university program or based at universities all, all around the country, right? Yeah, any state that has ocean or Great Lakes coastline has one of these programs. And it's a great resource for the state because it's really a way for that we can bring science to communities to help improve uh, ecosystems and economies. Are there some certain specific projects that you're working on right here in Michigan at this point? Yeah, we have a lar large varieties of projects that we're working on around the state. Um, one of our projects is we're working with small communities to help them come up with sustainability plans for their harbors so that they can continue to have working harbors where either commercial or recreational vessels can come in. We also have people that are working with tourism around the state. So we have a great water trail network around the state, one of our educators are working with, and I'm working specifically with our birding trail network around the state. Um, so that's just a small portion of what we do in Michigan here. Okay, nice transition to uh, birding and the birding trail. Um, the north shoreline of Lake Huron, Michigan's Upper Peninsula, long known as one of the most beautiful and pristine areas of wilderness in all of the Midwest. And the Nature Conservancy, this is a real feather in your cap, has recognized it as one of the last great places in the Northern Hemisphere and a great place for birds. And Elliot, you've played a big part in creating something called the North Huron Birding Trail. Uh, it's when people hear birding trail, they might think it's a path through the woods, but uh, obviously it's a, it's a lot, uh, lot more about that. Tell us about this birding trail concept and about the North Huron birding trail, how, how that all came about. Yeah, sure. So most birding trails around the country are actually driving trails that point out the best places to go birding. And you either have a website or a brochure that tells you where you can find the birds. So if you're not from the area, or even if you are, you really know how to navigate and find those. And we create them, you know, a lot of birders create them because they just want to share their love of birds. But they're also a great, great way to point out the important bird habitats that are in the area, the importance of conserving those habitats, as well as a way to generate more tourism in the area and bring people around during different times of the year that they might not traditionally come, such as early spring or late fall. Well, we had some great birding experiences here in the last few days. I want to say thank you also to Steve Baker and Ed Pike and Jack and Bev Kirby, uh, Kirby from Straits Area Audubon and Mackinac 
Raptor watch. Notice I didn't say Mechanek, even though it ends with a C there. Um, <laughs> so you, you put together a list. I think we saw 93 species in the last, uh, we, were, we were out there for just a couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah. Over a couple of days, we managed to tag up over 93 species, despite some strong winds one of those days and some rain with the other ones. But we had a great time. The birding trail here goes along just some spectacular shoreline habitat, which makes for really great migration birding. But it also includes some really great grasslands and some uh, boreal forests as well. Uh, one of our highlights, I think, was that we had a, a three grouse trip. We have nagging both spruce grouse with just some amazing views in the Taquamanon area. Uh, roughed grouse with some great views in the Pickford Rudyard clay plain. And then we flushed a beautiful sharp-tailed grouse that grew right over our head. So some really great birding in the last few days. We had to trek through those prairie pothole areas for that one, didn't we? Yeah. Something people don't expect is that we have really a beautiful grassland area here in the Pickford area, which is part of the North Huron Birding Trail that highlights a lot of really interesting species like sharp-tailed grouse, bobolink, leconte sparrow. Actually, we have quite a few of those. Um, so some fun stuff here. We didn't see a Kirtland's war, uh, warbler. We figured they're gone from here for the season, but we may have seen one. They are breeding in this area now, are they not? Yeah, so the Kirtland's warbler is a great success story in Michigan. If you uh, birded in Michigan, one of your top birds you want to see is probably Kirtland's because for a long time, this was the only state in the country where they bred. And back in the early 70s, the uh, population was down to only 167 breeding males, mostly in the grayling area in lower Michigan. But now the population is well over 2,300 um, singing males, and we now have a few hundred in the UP. So you can come up here now to see the Kirtland's warbler like we went to the habitat. Yeah, what an exciting story. Elliot, thank you so much. Thanks for being on with us. For, thanks for uh, your great uh, leadership on, in our birding and keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Ray. I'm glad you were able to make it up here. Up next here is our mystery bird contest in just one minute. A wise person once said, although we may regret some things we do in life, the bigger regrets concern things we didn't do. One thing many people say they've just got to do someday is visit the Galapagos Islands, which inspired the world-changing work of Charles Darwin. Well, if you're one of those people, I say don't wait any longer. I'm Ray Brown, inviting you to go to the Galapagos with me and one of the finest small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. Thanks to their expertise, we'll have a chance to see things other tours don't, like red-footed and Nazca boobies and flightless cormorants, along with Darwin's finches, Galapagos tortoises, land and marine iguanas, sea lions, whales and dolphins. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. I'll be your host for this trip, joined by local experts as we explore the islands via custom-designed first-class yacht. Please check out the details on this trip of a lifetime right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. Our bonus prize state is North Carolina. If you get through to our show as the first caller from that state on our mystery bird contest, you'll win that special bonus prize. And we figured out what the third part of it was. It's that Celestron National Park Foundation 3-in-1 device just like the one we gave away at the Grand Canyon last week. Features a rechargeable power pack, uh, a, a, a flashlight, a, a special uh, th um, three-in-one flashlight. So it's three-in-one within three-in-one. And the part I forgot, because it gets cold up here too, it's the 12-hour hand warmer. It's all in, in that same thing there. So anyway, that's our special prize. Uh, good luck, uh, Tar Heel Staters. Uh, let's see. You can find Mystery uh, Talking Birds, by the way, at TalkingBirds.com. You can listen to us live online 
every week. Our prize on the Mystery Bird Contest this morning is the Droll Yankees New Generation Finch Feeder. It has the attraction of a finch sock, but the durability of metal with a sock tube design that's been proven to attract up to double the number of birds. And it features a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage, and it's made in the USA. And that's our prize from Droll Yankees. And the number is 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you possibly can to tell us what it is or take a guess, because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. It's a bird that eluded us uh, this week here. Our mystery bird is a stocky, fairly large songbird with a short, stout bill, a round head, a long tail, and broad, rounded wings. It's dark gray above and light gray below with black on the back of the head, forming kind of a partial hood. Our bird makes its home in boreal and subalpine forests across northern North America, usually where black or white spruce trees are common, feeding on arthropods, berries, carrion, nestling birds, fungi, and food that campers leave on their picnic tables. That would be our mystery bird. What do you think it is? Tell us or take your guess. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to see if we can get a hold of Mike O'Connor. He is traveling today, and we're going to see if we can hook up with him. Let's ask Mike live next in just one minute. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forest can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy. Unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Well, we're just across the, from the border with Canada in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, but Mike O'Connor has one-upped us once again. He has actually crossed over into Canada, some 1,200 miles, I think, east of us on Prince Edward Island, and we're going to try to connect with him on the phone right now. We'll see how this goes, and are you there, Mike? <laughs> the system worked, right? Oh, the system worked again. Can we have a round of applause for our system here, because we weren't sure, because... You know, we're we're almost in Canada, and you're all the way in Canada on Prince Edward Island. And, uh, Mike, we found three grouse species here. Can you top that? <laughs> I saw nothing but crows and donuts. No. Crows and donuts. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of farms and a lot of pumpkins and a lot of uh, corn, but the birds were a little bit thin. I didn't even have, like, one to talk about. I mean, not, nothing wow. very, very exciting, but we spent a lot of time looking, and my wife is sick of it, but uh, came up a little <laughs> short. I'm going to have to go with you next time. You're going to have to come over the, here to the I'm zoo. I'm right on the Trans-Canadian Highway right now, somewhere in New Brunswick, heading south. All and right. I can't believe the system works, but it does. All right, yes, it does indeed. Hey, look, there's another crow. 
Oh, wait, no, it's a donut. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, thanks right. for encouraging me. So anyway, <laughs> what I, I wanted to talk about today, because you're yeah. traveling and I'm traveling, and a lot of my customers travel and a lot of people travel, and they always ask me, when you go away, should you take, what, what do you do with your bird feeders? And my advice is always take your bird feeders in. You know, they want to leave. They want to fill them because they're going to be gone for a couple of weeks, and they don't want the birds to starve. No, my advice is always take the feeders in, put them in the house, receive the birds for our own entertainment, not for, because the birds depend upon it. So bring the feeders in because the birds spend a lot of energy dealing with empty feeders, trying to get the last seed out once in a while. Somebody will tell me that they came back from a trip and they found the bird stuck in the feeder. It's not a good thing. So when you're traveling, the birds will be fine. There's no definite food supply in nature. Birds are always running out of food, and then they move on to the next source. So they're used to that. So bring your feeders in, and then when you come home, put them back out, and the birds will be glad to see you as long as you brought them a present. <laughs> All right. Hey, where did that myth come from about, you know, the birds will starve if you take in your feeders? Any, any probably idea? Greedy, greedy bird seed merchants. <laughs> they some Present company accepted, of course. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Thanks for that advice, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. How about some applause here for uh, Mike O'Connor out there in Prince Edward Island? Good luck with the birds there, Mike. Okay. Have a great trip, Ray. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, since we're, uh, we're, we're uh, on the road here, we're on Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and uh, we are going to go back onto our mystery bird contest. I think we have some callers. We mentioned, by the way, that our um, bonus state today is North Carolina. If we get a caller from there, that caller will automatically win that three-in-one device um, from uh, uh, Celestron and National Park Service. And uh, we have somebody on the line right now. Guess what? It's Bill from Charlotte. North Carolina. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Let's see. Uh, Charlotte is in North Carolina. Am I correct? Yes, it is. All right. Have you double checked on that? Yes, I have. We're right on the border, so uh, but uh, not too far from North uh, South Carolina. All right. Well, Bill, congratulations. Just by calling in from uh, North Carolina, you win that beautiful Celestron three-in-one device. Thank you. How's that sound? I'm looking forward to. To seeing it. <laughs> All right. We could do a little camping in a national park or elsewhere. Uh, what do you say, uh, uh, Bill, on our mystery bird, meanwhile? I think it's the Gray Jay. The Gray Jay. Wow. We, you are absolutely right, the Gray Jay. And uh, everybody's excited that you're, you're, uh, you won that, Bill, except for Will, who's here with us today, because he's in our, <laughs> he's in our little uh, studio audience, and he knew it was the Gray Jay, too. But uh, sorry, Will. He did, sorry, sorry about that, Will. Yeah, yeah. And he's not from North Carolina, so he couldn't win the uh, three-in-one device either. Okay. Uh, so you you probably aren't, haven't got a lot of uh, gray jays down there in North Carolina, Bill. Am I right? Not there, no. But I grew up in northern Minnesota, so uh, ah, okay. I grew up seeing more gray jays than I did blue jays. All right. V visiting your picnic table and all that kind of stuff, probably. Oh yeah, they could. Um, there used to be a game where uh, you put a little bit of sandwich or so on your hat, and they would come right down to the brim and uh, <laughs> eat away. All right. Bill, thank you. Stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you uh, all that stuff. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Thank you. Bill down there in Charlotte, North Carolina, correctly identifying the gray jay. We have another minute to go. Why don't we call in uh, Elliot Nelson again? Uh, he's close by for another minute to, because you know a lot about the gray jay. Why don't you give us a little... What can you tell us about that bird? It's kind of an interesting character. 
It is. It's a, a amazing, really charismatic bird of the boreal forest. Um, quite the uh, mimicker in the jay family. It makes a lot of different noises. Those squawking sounds you heard on the mystery bird noise today was very indicative, but they can make a lot of different noises. And one of the best things about them is that they are quite brave. So when it comes to viewing them, you can get some great views nice up and close because they're really curious birds. They want to know what's around them. An excellent bird. We were talking about the Corvid family of birds yesterday while we were out birding and how, and how intelligent they were. That's part of that family there. Yeah, along with the ravens and the crows and the jays and magpies, I believe. They're quite the fascinating and really intelligent family that uh, can are very able to find resources where you don't think there are any, like in the great white north during winter. Um, but they're able to survive because they're very resourceful and know how to find out where there's the food. Hey, we're out of time for our show this morning. Executive producer of Talking Birds is Mark Duffield. Our associate producer, Debbie Bleacher. Our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.